Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Crystal Core Radio Pro- uh, Project Podcast. <laughs> Brian and Chris here today, sitting down talking, especially about 2024. Uh, lots of exciting things. Uh, over this last week, Chris and I have been just hanging out talking locally, and he alluded to some of these ideas. In our last podcast, we talked about World of Warcraft, but what does it mean to have some level of closure with this MMO uh, as they enter into a new saga. And so we thought we'd talk a little bit about that today, talk about what we're looking forward to with Dawn Trail in 2024, as well as the other MMOs that are on the horizon to see, kind of give you guys a heads up as we step into a whole new year. So Chris, uh, this is something that I thought was really interesting from your perspective, because you've been with World of Warcraft for so long and now that seems like they're they're really firing on all cylinders as a, as an outsider in that game. What's going on, man? I mean, they definitely brought back um, like the original, basically kind of one of the big creators of the original lore around around Azeroth. Um, and so this would be like if Final Fantasy dropped Ishikawa for the next ten years and then she came back. Yeah, like this would be that kind of level of impact. Um, especially if along that 10 years without her people felt like final fantasy 14 lost its way Mm -hmm. um and that the caliber of the storytelling or the cohesiveness where you might have a good story over here and a good story over here but it wasn't melding um the narrative element was kind of lost now world of warcraft's weird because the narrative element isn't all in game it's off in these like 40 plus novels it's off in Mm -hmm. a little bit of it's in like an rts like it's it's all (laughs) over the place um and they didn't start doing it began chris as an rts you know and (laughs) The quests weren't really designed to be like a cohesive primary story until Mm -hmm. much, much later into its history. And that's been something that's evolved over time. So if you just compare Dragonflight to a a Final Fantasy expansion, it looks very, very similar. But they got there through their own method. Mm -hmm. Um, They just ended up at basically the same place where there is effectively an MSQ with side quests that you know, expand on that. Um, and they still have a weird way of telling it. They still tie things behind, you know, major story beats behind the equivalent of like doing your beast tribes, like major story beats. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that people still don't like because then you get to the end of the story and you're like, so I'm supposed to be doing my dailies and paying attention. And like, if I don't, <laughs> if I'm not willing to do dailies, I can't get to the story. And then when the next yeah. raid comes out, I'm confused because their raid ties directly into their MSQ. It's not standalone. Um, but translation stuff aside for Final Fantasy fans that are just trying to understand the significance of why you're suddenly seeing people like Pyro just being like, I've always loved World of Warcraft, um, <laughs> is because it's an easy time to be excited. It is. I've been listening to his stuff. He's super thrilled about all of this kind of theory crafting that you get to do, um, knowing that they're actually going to address things in the room. Yeah. It's not going to be like, it's like, hey, what's that guy with the sword in the corner? And they're like, what guy with the sword in the sword? That guy. Like they're finally addressing all these like shadows in the room that people have wondered and conspiracy theories and, you know, what were the Titans doing all along? Um, Cool, cool stuff. Uh, And they're doing it over three expansions. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of like knowing that Shadowbringers and Endwalker were coming five years in advance. Yeah. Two years in advance, something like that. Like imagine if at the fan fest during Stormblood, they told you, Hey, that Shadowbringers, Shadowbringers and Endwalker would be amazing, and there was enough evidence to make you think that Shadowbringers and Endwalker would be what they what they were. Yeah, like the launch of Endwalker was phenomenal. I know there's a lot of people that are frustrated after that, and Shadowbringers from start to finish was awesome. Um, and so, if you could have known that in advance, 
um, what would you do different to prepare? And then like, what is the significance of these moments? Because we can't have games that have stories that are 40 years long. Like, you yeah. have to let people say farewell. You have to have final episodes of long running sitcoms. Like you, you can't, you can't just run. I mean, soap operas run it forever, but like most things need to end, right? John Wick needed to end. Like it, that, that series needed to put a cap on it. If they want to expand on that universe with a TV show and all that, that's fine. But the movies had to stop. Um, at some point we had to find a way to say, okay, this is enough of Keanu being this one character. Let's, let's pivot to something oh, else from here uh, on. A more apt in my opinion. Cause like, I really do hope we see some more Keanu in, in John Wick, but a more apt uh, comparison would be the Marvel cinematic universe where it finished with Endgame, you know, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, they've really struggled with that, uh, you know, that season, you know, that that phase four. And now as they go into phase five, they're all of a sudden going, oh, no, there's a there's a real problem here. And what I've seen people kind of point it to, which is interesting, because I think that, you know, like uh, MCU with Final Fantasy and its long running story is that if they focus in on character driven stories, uh, same thing with the MCU, that what we've seen as the problem is that the MCU in phase four and five shifted to the, everything's about the bigger plot where we, we they announced they're working all the way to the Kane dynasty and all these things. So it doesn't give them any flexibility to be like, you know what, we're going to, we really want to kind of pivot a little bit here where Don trail is like, if they focus in on the characters and the, and the world and et cetera, you don't have to then say, Oh, by the way, here's in, you know, five expansions, it's going to conclude what all started here. The thing that you and I have always talked about is how do you get new players in without requiring 300 hours of homework to be accepted, to be allowed, yeah, just to be let in the door. Mm -hmm. You're still going to be called an idiot and a noob, but 300 hours is your minimum buy-in. Yeah. Um, and that was in Shadowbringers. Like, I, like I'm sure some things have been sped up a little bit, but those, you know, th those things are stacking up on top of each other. So unless they... Uh, decide, you know, and the question is, is do, do they bundle a uh, story skip with like a collector's edition expansion? At, like, here's a, you know, like a one in time Don Trail. By the way, if you want to just start in Don Trail, here you go. You know, like, is that bundled or is that just aftermarket? Like, yeah, we expect no, people are going to be spending lots of money. Package it um, into something else entirely. I'd love to see them make a little mini series. Um, you know, with live action or something. Yeah. Um, and oh, just, dude, just, yes. just pivot it a totally different direction. And I'm sure there's people that would hate that, but like, and they'd be like, Oh, the, the video game was so much better. And finally, like the book was so much better. would have a different way of saying it. Cause yeah, it'd be yeah. the same thing. Um, but <laughs> well, like they, they, they did announce a live, uh, like a, a live action series. And, and then my hope, especially after watching some of edge runners, like, I think, man, just go with kind of that like anime, you know, style as opposed to like trying to force it into like, here's the real world. But uh, I'll, you know, we'll wait and see what, you know, if that ever shakes out. I don't know what comes after um, the final of this saga for World of Warcraft. It's it's kind of the same question of what does Final Fantasy move from here? I think I personally prefer the Harry Potter model where okay. you, you wrap it up. You go big on the last chapter because you only get to do it once. That's mm -hmm. why I got made in like multiple movies. Right. Um, and you go big on the last chapter you settle it all up and then you go back into the universe from a different angle. And so like the fantastic mm, beasts yeah. where it's just this totally different angle and you can have familiar characters at a different place in time, especially if you have characters that time means something different to because they live to be an old age or they can travel through time or whatever, whatever your universe rules may have. Um, 
you know, I, I, I really like that they, they kind of button that up and we're not going to just keep watching Harry and Hermione and Ron, like solve mm. things yeah. like that that's done. And then, and if they really want to, they could always have their kids come in and, and have their own experience with Hogwarts where they can let fantastic beasts run its course. Um, the universe doesn't have to die. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's where Marvel has struggled is that it doesn't feel like I'm reentering through somewhere else because it's already so super yeah. like in its very nature, it feels like, like, well, then why isn't Superman here? And like, like why are, you know, <laughs> like, why isn't, why isn't, why, why, why aren't our DC heroes here? Like, why isn't just bring everybody in and nobody can die ever. Yeah. Just bring Iron Man back. Um, you know, and it just feels like, like it always just has to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Like they just have to start bringing in heroes from other universes, even outside of Marvel to make it make sense. <laughs> um, because otherwise it's not good enough. Like just having one person. So like, I think they kind of dug themselves a hole and I don't know how they come back from after the last, the last movie. Um, I, I still think it's like if they were focusing because they've had some real gems like guardians of the galaxy three, uh, and then, the, you know, look at the Loki series like they've sure. done really good. And one of the things I really appreciated about like the especially Loki season two is the theories that a lot of people were like, oh, how is this? You know, because everybody's just trained. How does this move the bigger plot forward? How does this move the big narrative forward? And what you end up getting at the conclusion without dropping spoilers for anybody is a character focused, you know, like conclusion. It's not like, oh, this that set this movie up or that movie up. It's right. like, no, that, that this was self-contained. It really was great. And it does. That's how the Mandalorian into. started as an idea, right? right. It, it, it made the universe make sense without actually making the universe respond in any way. It could be a standalone title. If you never saw it, Star Wars is still its own functioning. It's not, in, it's not affected by the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, but the Mandalorian gives context. Yeah, uh, well, and that's that's what side quests should be in these MMOs. Like they should be contextual. They should not be required. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really nice. There's some in Endwalker. There's a couple in Rods at Han that are just really nice context adding. They are totally optional, um, and they're really nice kind of epilogues to the story. But they mm -hmm. don't. It don't matter. Yeah, like in the big scheme of things, if you didn't do them, I'm sure you still had a great and full experience. If you did do them, hopefully they made the game just that much richer. Um, yeah, I never ended up doing like all the like the the role quests. Uh, you know, I ended up like not finishing those. There's a lot like on my checklist for whenever I do come back to kind of knock out before, uh, you know, focusing it on Don Trail. So that's going to be really exciting to see. Now, uh, I do want to ask because we've kind of theorized on the concept and just for lack of a better term, Final Fantasy 14 2 as a way of kind of in a way saga, a chaptering with a technology shift, a time jump. Uh, if you will, a restart of progress, you know, like something of that. But uh, I do want to have to say thanks to Wes, aka Real Kitty Hawk, for a their tier three support for 51 months and then on a 19 month streak. So, dude, thank you so much for that support over on Twitch. We love you so much, and uh, we couldn't do what we do without you. So, thank you guys for that. Now. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that concept of uh, kind of a 14-2. Do you feel like that is something could be uh, on the horizon? And it wouldn't necessarily, because Yoshi P said, you know, at some point the number 14 is going to seem pretty silly as the game evolves. Uh, where, where, where do you fall on that now uh, that, you know, that we're looking at Dawn Trail and knowing that they're going to continue on in this engine, in this universe, in this story for some period of time? I think you just do it in-game. 
I don't think you have to call it something else. I think you can just let the game evolve in game. Right. Um, and if you want to launch a secondary title that takes place in the same universe, you can, and it can be called whatever you want. Yeah. Um, they haven't really figured out the relationship between 14 and 11, uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to with the season of discovery, I think world of Warcraft is really looking like they figured out what classic is versus what retail is. I don't know if you followed any of the season of discovery stuff. Um, but it's very cool. Uh, and so like figuring that relationship out, I think that, um, it would be reckless to launch a third MMO if you haven't figured out how to get your first two to kind of <laughs> have a community that's healthy with each other. Um, so I'd prefer to see them. Like I personally would prefer to see them solve that first. Like yeah. I just still don't know what the plan is with 11. Um, do you like, is there something I'm missing? And have oh, you seen yeah. what season of discovery is doing? No, tell me about the seasons of discovery. And then I'll talk to you about final Fantasy 11. Okay, so World of Warcraft Season of Discovery is basically taking WoW Classic, and the question was, if Classic just starts back at the beginning, if this is just Final Fantasy XIV 1.0, and you're going to play through 1.0, you're going to follow the, the meteor falling, you're going to go into 2.0, and you're just going to play through the expansions, at what point are you just playing in the past, right? And you're just yeah. running at this, and actually it runs faster, so at what point do you catch up? And do you just keep restarting it? And it kind of loses its fun. Like, I missed it the first time, but I've had a nostalgic run through it. Now what? Um... Well, it goes back through and it says, what if we redid 2.0 Realm Reborn, but we had new trial fights, we had a new raid series, mm -hmm. um, and then we had sub a subclass system added on top of the existing classes that were available at the time. Okay. Go. Cool. So we just add those in. So they have a rune system where you get to add things onto your class mm -hmm. and it is about establishing fun not balance so like we are going to try to like grab the outliers and is the exact word they used and try to like keep there from being something so game breaking that it's defining but like if to make black mages have a really cool heal ability it makes black mages a little overpowered in a certain piece of content mm -hmm. so be it you know if if white mages can now tank and that that makes them weird Okay. Oh, man. Yeah. Have like, fun. And so they just kind of like, they're just letting things break to break them. And then they're putting you in new raids, new dungeons, um, but in the same game. So you're playing back through again, but ideally, and they've done so much where they didn't put a lot of, they intentionally didn't put a lot on the PTR. They intentionally didn't share a lot in interviews mm -hmm. because the goal is that it should feel like when World of Warcraft first came out, which predated a lot of what modern streaming and YouTube and websites right. are. Yeah. Um, and so there was this element of like, what's around the next corner? Yeah. And maybe it was just two more furbolgs that dropped two pieces of linen, but maybe it was something <laughs> epic. And so there is this idea of like going out and finding these runes, um, which are all nested in different types of content. Some are supposed to be easy to get, some are supposed to be hard to get. And then hopefully that encourages and they're gonna like release it in chapters. So you so there's no blitz to the end. It's like, no, let's all let's all enjoy one to twenty-five and then let's enjoy twenty-five to forty. Um, and they've just kind of paced out classic where it's going to be this discovery. And if this is successful, ideally what that lets them do is kind of pick a new theme and do discovery again. Yeah. Like now we're going to come through and almost like this Fortnite type thing, right? Like what if like the darkness was over the whole world and everything's impacted by darkness? Like what, what happens then? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so 
it's just a chance to reimagine the game with a different lens, put a whole new development budget towards it. Uh, and I I'm really excited for it. And I think that's what would be needed to either bring some form of 2.0 classic back, which Yoshi P rolls his eyes so hard at even the thought of, or for 11 to kind of fold in is like so much of 11 is around private servers because people want different versions of the game. And the idea that you could tie it first into the 14 fan base, get us playing. And then as we play it, the people who are like, well, I would play it, but I played like 10,000 hours in the past. So I don't want to play it again. Yeah. Season of discovery is the answer to that. That's so cool. And that's so but, interesting. But to Brian, see. you haven't played it with the new, right. whatever system, you know, the new twist on the trust system or the new, or whatever you guys call it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, in 11, it's also called the trust, uh, trust system. That's where when they announced trusts were coming to 14, I, I, I was like, yes. And then it's like, oh, it's only in these instances. And I really hope that, you know, especially with the next uh, fan fest, they, they continue to kind of expand on that system. I want, I want a hybrid system. I want it. If I, if me and Maddie want to go and, and play and run a dungeon, I can take her with me and we can bring two trusts. So I don't have to worry about slowing or impacting anybody's experience while I'm teaching my daughter how to play this game. So that's where I'm, you know, I'm going to keep rooting for that, uh, that feature. Now, uh, uh, Wes says, uh, we need more likes. So thank you guys, uh, for the seven likes at this time, at the time of this live stream. I appreciate you now. Uh, non fungible taco, which has perhaps one of the most amazing <laughs> names that, that really get me every time says the only big complaint I've heard is that the very, very disproportionate difficulty of earning different roles like warlock rogue and druid tanks are much harder to get rolling. What are your thoughts? I mean, balance, if balance is the biggest complaint, you're doing something right is my thought. Like, mm -hmm. like if the core game is fun and you just need to kind of tweak how things get access, that's a very fixable thing. That's patchable. What you can't patch in is the fun itself. Mm -hmm. So people are like, I love what this role is, but it's, it's hard to beat this one thing or it's hard to acquire this or the, the, the power of this one skill in this level range because it is level banded. So like the strength of a druid at level 20 is just struggling to get to 25 that's a tuning issue and that mm -hmm. is fixable. Yeah. Um, the people saying I would play Druid, but it's just so boring. That's really hard to fix. So like if their biggest issues they're having, I don't have the time right now to go launch into season of discovery. So mm -hmm. I am consuming it through watching people, um, which is, and I'm still having a blast. Yeah. Like I'm just enjoying watching people. Um, so like, I think that's a sign of a healthy game is that it's, you know, it's fun to be around. It's fun to watch and that, and that the core issue is, I wish this one element of the game was a little easier or, or, you know, in that phrase, like to, that, I, that I could get it rolling. Um, historically, like warrior in wow has been more gear based. And so what that means is that anytime, especially as we've moved to these more scaled level banded type experiences in MMOs where everything's supposed to be like at your level. What that means is that if you keep leveling up, but your gear doesn't keep leveling up more gear based classes tend to struggle. Um, but that's a temporary problem, mm -hmm. right? Like the, yeah. the next time you get gear or as soon as you hit level cap and the band stop moving, it's fine. Um, you've never played WoW before, but you would like to rant. You would randomly like start playing um, seasons of discovery. Do it. Do it. It is, it is meant to be fun for everybody. Um, there will be things that 
you will go look up a guide for or look up an answer and people will be like, oh my gosh, it's been like this for 20 years. This is how it works. And you're like, great. I just had a question. Um, and there will be things where you're like, I found this. It was so cool. And there's very little documentation on it <laughs> because, because you're, but the idea is that you're bringing people in. And that's, that's really the point is like, if, if Final Fantasy 11 integrated with the Final Fantasy 14 sub and I wanted to play through it, Brian might tell me he likes Final Fantasy 11 and that he's willing to play with me. But because it doesn't have that hook, because he's played through 11 so many times, I might find that it's really hard to get Brian actually online. He yeah. tells me he's going to make it a priority, but he's like, ah, I, just, mm. I just don't feel like it. Yeah. But if they could add something play this other thing. exciting, if there's a class that Brian's always wanted to play in 11, if 11's always, oh, I don't know, I'm, not, I'm not an 11 expert. So like, what's a class that you just think the game should have always had and it doesn't? Time Mage. That's the right. uh, that's the that's what I'm even hoping for. Season 14. discovery for eleven is getting Time Mage. Now I say I want to play eleven. Brian's like, great. I'm going to build a Time Mage. You should play this class. We're going to do it together. Let's play every Tuesday and Thursday night. Oh my gosh! I didn't even tell you. I actually hopped on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Like, yeah. the, there's it invites veterans to be just as excited as the world should be for a new player. Um, now I will tell you, choosing to play WoW Classic as your first form of WoW. Um, very old school. So just keep in mind, like it is meant to be slow. Like the act of earning things is part of it. Um, so the act of getting through the world should be slow. The world should feel vast because your place in it is tiny. Um, as opposed to retail where things are just so rampantly accelerated, um, that, you know, when you get a quest to kill 10 mobs, I just pulled 10 mobs. Like I just pulled, Oh, Oh, I accidentally got 12. And I just killed them all. Uh, but in classic, it's like, it's like, oh, the wolf attacked me while I was attacking the ostrich. I'm probably gonna die. Yeah. Uh, and and so like there can there's a bit more of a sense of danger, especially when you're first learning the game, um, which I think that's exciting. But it's just good to know in advance that like, you know, in, in Dwarf Fortress terms, dying is fun. Like dying should be fun. Um. So yeah, if you have time for season of discovery, go give it a go. Yeah, especially uh, now, now it's got so many people interested in it, new and old, that just be aware this is like any other MMO launch. Expect some queue times at prime hours. What's interesting about that, too, is that uh, like outside of queue times and, and the rush, like you've got, you know, if you're especially a Final Fantasy 14 player, you've got time until into dawn trails so oh it's not you know and it's and the nice thing about that is let's say you did want to and you did get hooked into season of discovery when dawn trail drops like getting back in and getting spun back up the the road is is just paved you know for you just to, to make that jump so it's not like yeah some people do feel uh, around this time that they got to keep grinding they got to get ready for the expansion and for most veterans I, i'm sure that there's like when we talk about like the newer one two year maybe year three players like yeah there's probably a value in like lots of things for you to go collect uh to, to you know save up some gill and all these things that could be a value to you but it, after that like at some point like if this is your second or third expansion easily like this is a great time to go and play something else while you wait for a dawn trail to drop and that's just something to, to always be considering and season discovery is meant to be seasonal it is meant to end so right now the goal is for everybody to kind of work their way up to 25 and once you're at 25 you're just running around doing whatever the level 25 stuff is and then the goal is to be doing the level 40 stuff, which is a yeah. major threshold. And then they'll build us into the top of the top of the game. Um, and there'll be new raids and stuff like that to get involved in. And then it's going to end. They have not said what happens to your character at the end of it because they can't just feed it into normal, 
where the normal classic characters go because your character is going to have runes and yeah. that's going to break things for all the characters that you're now with that don't have runes. Mm -hmm. um, but they've said they've got some ideas and they're looking forward to sharing them. And so I have to wonder if there's going to be this new kind of place where like all the different characters from the different seasons and the different items can just start to meld. And if so, like if any of you are like magic, the gathering fans, what happens when you have magic, the gathering legacy, for all these characters and you're allowed to have runes on a character that let's say next season of discovery is more gear based mm -hmm. and this one's more skill based what happens when i can i can unlock these skills and that gear <laughs> like like you know do we just have this yeah. it's like well there's nothing serious to do and nothing matters but there's this kind of non-ladder version of, of wow classic where yeah. you can just break stuff you know you can solo molten core because you've got all the runes and all the gear like just go nuts um so i don't know what they'll do with that but yeah that should be exciting and on the 11 subject veltus let's say uh, is just reminding everybody and we talked a bit about this on the last podcast mr happy and i think some other content creators as well uh, have been inviting people to come and play 11 uh, 11 has the integration with the the raid series coming up in the final fantasy 14 with that goes amanda deal that in and of itself is a, a huge invitation back so be sure to get uh slotted in with like because that that just makes things getting into these games easier and content creators and streamers can actually act as that you know as a great community leader because some dude wants to know uh wants to try wow but wondering if i'm back in final fantasy 14 and the tldr for those who haven't been following the channel and the content uh, i'm down 50 pounds i, I got to get below 210 before i will reinstall the game so making good progress 2024 looks to hopefully be the year that i that i finally uh you know lose the rest of this weight and then from then uh then that's when i'll step into uh and, and get caught up on don trail and things like that so lots of things to do lots of things to enjoy and so uh, especially when it comes to it like i'm i keep getting tempted to go play final fantasy 11 but I just, i've just been getting sucked into all kinds of different games played some throne liberty today which was like oh my gosh dude like so exciting native controller support right out the gate super high polish i was i was actually kind of you know surprised and and uh and, and delighted by uh, what i got to experience in that and so i'll be doing a stream tonight if you guys are curious uh with some throne to liberty gameplay uh on the controller uh so that should hopefully be pretty freaking fun now uh chili earlier in the show i kind of started this so that way i could we could come back and and explore it because it's an interesting topic chili writes Brian, I got a question for you. The new mode in Fortnite adds PvE mode with dungeons, crafting, and farming, along with a leveling system. Does this push Fortnite into the MMO-esque uh, or into an MMO-esque game? What do you it think? Like it, it feels like the same way World of Warcraft came out of an RTS. It feels like you're turning a battle royale into an MMO, but you're you're doing it all inside the same title, which is weird. Um, it does feel like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been saying like within the genre of like the big umbrella of MMO, like you then break it down, you have theme park and sandbox. I go, how is how is and what does the MMO need to do that Fortnite isn't coming in and stealing some of that thunder? You know, like what is massively multiplayer online and then, you know, as an RPG even really mean in the era of something like Fortnite? Because that's where the... Fortnite has that gravity that people are just being absorbed by it in that. And not that it's going to speak to everybody, but it does things that we're not actually seeing in what we would call massively multiplayer. And I've made the, the, you know, the argument about like, what is four and five man content? Is that, is that, is that something we need to consider massive, you know, massive multiplayer? 
hunts, you know, within Final Fantasy 14 have that same kind of value. But I see uh, gamers push back on the idea like, oh, everything just becomes a Zerg fest. And it's like, I don't need every bit of content to be like every other bit of content. But Zerg fest can be fun. Like it can be fun when all of a sudden there's a big boss and everything's going off. And I think that's what Eureka and Boja really kind of highlighted is those kind of massive features. But even Boja was capped at like, I think, 72 players in that instance uh, and so I do wonder that, um, you know, as that, so I would classify that whether it's, you know, the Lego mode that they're, you know, people are building kind of in a mod tools kind of way with Unreal Engine, uh, it, it, like Fortnite as a, a foundational tool that will continue to like encroach into that. What, what, what we would define as an MMO specifically. What do you think, Chris? Uh, I, I think it's fine. Like, welcome it into the space. I've been watching this kind of back and forth between Zeno and Zeppla. Yeah. Um, and I've been enjoying the content. <laughs> um, and, like, there is this, like, Zeno's like, I like one game more than the other game. And uh, she has a more distinct opinion on the on the matter. Um, but you're, you're very much watching, like, two baseball fans whose teams just played in the world series argue about the differences between those teams and their culture and their ethics. And like you're sitting in a bar next to somebody and you're shouting and somebody else is like, okay, but like, I'm trying to watch CNN or tennis or whatever. And I don't care about baseball at all. Like, yeah. like I understand you guys think you're so different. But these are the same game. Like World of Warcraft and Final Fantasy are the same game when you put it next to, you know, the next God of War or Spider-Man or yeah. Octopath Traveler or mobile games or a racing game, Gran Turismo um, or Zelda. Like when you look at game of the year, like World of Warcraft and Final Fantasy are the same game. They are the same game. Yeah. Um, and if Fortnite wants to be in that space, the more the merrier. Uh, this party is not so big. We need to be kicking people out. Right. Like it just the number well, of players of MMOs worldwide. Like if, if yeah. Fortnite wants to be called MMO, that's great. I, I think that sounds like an MMO. It's yeah. got an RPG element, right? I'm yep. I'm building my character, I'm leveling. Mm -hmm. It's got an exploratory dungeon and farming type content, is, is what was described in, in Chili's comment. Yep. Sounds like an MMO. Yeah. Like sounds like an MMO. It's interesting because I feel like we were seeing this resurgence, both in investment, but also interest within what does it mean? And while there's still projects that have not come to fruition, we're seeing, uh, you know, the the, re the return of focus and on kind of big scale, massive battles and a couple examples, you know, just from, you know, testing uh, would be Ashes of Creation in which that they open. There's a lot of open world. Throne of Liberty has a open world dungeon style system, and they they also include instances. But to see that open world dungeons can then also coexist with instance dungeons, it's going to be interesting to see what how the players respond to that within time, because, yes, the, the critique or the complaint against open world content is it's just a, a Zerg fest or it's too difficult that you can't do solo. But I think what we're what will be interesting to see is that what what features, you know, uh, are taken, you know, uh, and, and blended. And this kind of ties back to the Fortnite thing, because I think with the business model and we're seeing kind of uh, buy to play, free to play. Uh, and 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 uh, different MMOs finding success within those business models, it allows I think for players to be able to jump to different games and try different games. And hopefully, what we see is an economy of ideas where cool features and cool ideas 
you know, float to the top. So you don't have like an MMO that you're like, oh, I need to invest all my time into this MMO. And, uh, and I've invested so much time, I can't leave this MMO. And then cool, cool ideas just come and they die on the vine because there wasn't the financial support. And thus the idea is like, well, maybe this idea was bad. And it's like, no, everybody actually loved that idea, but we, we didn't have that, the, the freedom to be able to go in and check out that game and, and come back to that game um, as needed. So it'll be, it'll be cool to see. Do you, I do want to say thank you, Sheriff Sniffers, uh, with 22 months of support uh, with their tier one sub. Uh, that is incredible. I really appreciate you. I think, yeah, on a 15 month streak as well. So over a little over a year off that streak. So thank you uh, for that. Chris, you look like you're about to say something. Nope. I'm, I'm with you. All right, sweet. More, more players in the space, more ideas in the space, more money in the space. Um, just more. I'm really excited to see. It feels like we've had a bunch of people come into the space to make a bunch of money. Um, but we haven't had a lot of freedom to like explore wildly new ideas paired with money. And like Ashes of Creation promises to be that, but it's not a game. Uh, but like, I think New World tried. New World had the funding to try to do their own thing. And it looks like WoW is going to have the ability to kind of really do their own thing and, and come at it from a new angle. And I know people are ready to like immediately say, okay, Activision, WoW, but bad, but like, Activision WoW gave us Wrath of Lich King. Activision WoW gave us Season of Discovery. Activision WoW gave us Dragonflight. So, like, it's not just Activision. It's it, so, like, what seems to be in common is when do they have freedom? Yeah. And what gave them freedom at the beginning was that Activision had not exerted control yet. And what gave them freedom at the end was that it was really hard to control anybody in COVID. And so they were, <laughs> so they were without supervision and we got awesome things. Um, and so hopefully Phil Spencer and his team are like, okay, so these guys without supervision do really cool stuff. Let's follow that method. Um, and I'd love to see more people come into the space and and kind of have hopefully the resources to explore things. It doesn't mean it'll be good. Like exploration doesn't mean good, but it does mean new. Now, I thought it was an interesting comment from Non-Fungible Taco says, it's fun to watch the tribal arguments. I wonder if this is particularly because Americans are trained to relate everything to picking a side, like with politics. What do you think? Um, I mean, it's definitely easier for humans to just in general to see things as black and white. We have so many decisions to make in a day. It's a lot easier to look at a decision and say, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, like, like, don't like, and just like, just thumbs up, thumbs down. So you can just get through the sheer quantity and then take the things that really matter to you and zoom in enough that there's some gray. Um, and so when you meet somebody who thinks your important things, not that important, they may be really one-sided about it and you may have a more nuanced opinion. But if you get to know their important trait, like, or whatever, or cause that matters to them, you may find that they have the same complexity that you quickly dismissed. Um, so I, I, I can't separate the fact that I am American. So maybe that is a uniquely American view of the world. Um, but like, I definitely feel it is natural to see things as black versus white in the bulk of life so that I can spend my time really caring about Final Fantasy and 14 and WoW are not the same game. Mm -hmm. I said they are because from the vast majority of perspectives in right. the billions of people in the world, they're the same game. But when you actually have time to spend hours and hours and hours in both these games, or even just people who want to have their opinion on the internet and they've spent hours and hours in one of these games and they know nothing about the other one, they are more than quick to point out all the nuanced opinions of how they're different. Um, so like, I, I think it's, the, the tribalism just comes from you thinking 
like it would feel very natural to feel very defensive if I felt you were misunderstanding my view. Mm-hmm. Like I got to my view logically. I obviously I don't disagree with myself. So when you disagree <laughs> with me, then it feels like, well, then you clearly don't get it. And so there's, there can be a defensiveness. Um, thankfully right now, like both games are honestly in a pretty good spot. And so the arguments between Zeno and Zeppla are, are pretty nothing. Like if you just want content, go watch content, but there's, yeah, there's that's... nothing there. Um, we're just, we're just filling the void between expansions right now. The, uh, I, I was interested in the idea concept of like, yeah, American. I don't feel like that's a uniquely American, but obviously I'm, I'm American. So I'm in the inside and it's not even, you know, that, I just think that's a natural kind of human thing to kind of debate and push back and, and share ideas. I I don't like it when it gets to be like, I'm not attacking the idea. I'm from an argumental or, you know, just a, you know, that kind of level. I'm now going to just shift to attack the person who's making the argument. And once that does, once that happens, like the first person to shift into like a personal attack over any kind of debate uh, about you know a game or anything i'm just like all right you lost like, you know it's like you know no that's just not interesting so i find a lot of that just you know i using the internet for in terms of entertainment as opposed to like okay we're we're, we're really going to decide like every tier list video that's out there is is the definitive list and it's like no that's that's not it's just how how do we communicate and rank uh these different uh, opinions uh, in that in that case but who knows you know like uh, from everybody and the content creators that are also outside of America, it just seems like a natural kind of fit that, you know, people compare things and they discuss things and they break them down and they, you know, talk about why, how, where, how they're similar, how they're different. I mean, you've, Chris, have done real well for yourself in terms of like just a translation guide. Hey, you're coming over from WoW to Final Fantasy 14. What do these things mean? What does haste mean? What is, you know, like, what, what do these stats mean? They mean something different in, you know, in, in the different games. And those have been, I think, very valuable for uh, people to dive into. Now, um, Veltus over on uh, Twitch writes, still not trusting Activision Blizzard just yet. I still need to see them prove themselves more in case these few good points are one-off goods before it goes back to bad. Also, not touching any of the Activision Blizzard till Kotick is gone for good. Somebody has to play Season of Discovery or Dragonflight for them to get feedback and to continue to improve on it and even just continue making more of the same quality. That person does not have to be you. Any one person does not owe them anything. As a collective community, I do hope there are people that will engage with Blizzard because I think they're on the right path and money and attention and feedback is what keeps them moving in that direction. And so we want that, right? We want that that feedback. Um, that doesn't mean everybody does. And so there are people that maybe, you know, have already been burned by Blizzard in the past and, and don't feel they they want to trust them. And that's that's fine. There's also people who like I've met people who have told me I've never played a Blizzard Blizzard product and the decision they made today or whatever is why. And it's like that that literally doesn't make any sense to me. It's like you you knew 20 years in advance that um, <laughs> you weren't going to like them. So like I would just say like, Giving everybody an honest shot once is the most we can ask. If you've given them an honest shot and you you think you're good, then you're good. There's plenty of games. We're not in a point where like we have to forgive them. We're not on an island, and these are the only two games. And so if you don't play them, you have to sit around bored. Um, right. There's still plenty of games I haven't gotten to. Yeah. You know, I don't have time of Throne of Liberty because I am 
playing WoW. Right. Um, and some part of me is a little bummed. So, like, maybe that's what you make time for. Because hopefully somebody gives Throne of Liberty a shot, too. Well, and we'll see. And right now, uh, like, for those of you who are curious, Throne of Liberty is just in the Korean region. So you have to do a couple of extra steps. Uh, so if you are dying to play, I have a guide up on my channel. Uh, as well as I have my first impressions up on my channel today for you guys. Uh, it does feature controller support, and it will be coming out in the West, published by Amazon, which I think is an interesting uh, you know, discussion in and of itself that we could talk about Amazon Game Studios and their 2024 aspirations as, as a single topic for a podcast. But beyond that, uh, you know, it's I think it's important to say, like, you know, yeah, you find fun when it comes to Activision Blizzard, like, what I feel the the root of kind of this is it, when when it comes to trust, it's it's a bank, right? Like you deposit trust and you withdraw trust. And for many people, from what I've gathered from the conversations, from all the issues, from the you know the legal issues, from you know the crimes, like you there's been massive amounts of withdrawal of that trust. And it didn't help that World of Warcraft was in that state at the time where people were just not having fun. Now, fast forward to today, they put out a roadmap. They've, you know, they've delivered on the roadmap. They're like doing, roadmap. They, they now have a second roadmap. They've talked about not just a second roadmap, but they talked about this expansion, this expansion, this expansion. We're working on a bigger narrative. Uh, this is what we're, we're doing. And it doesn't mean that you need to go out and immediately like throw your money at them and, oh, I trust you completely now. But it feels like they've been uh, continuing to work on depositing that trust once more rather than with the, with those withdrawals. And I think that in and of itself, along with the funding and if Microsoft is true to what it says it's doing and just letting Blizzard be Blizzard and go find the fun, go be Blizzard, go have fun. Like, I think what you're going to end up experiencing is that, you know, this is a new uh, chapter for the company. This is a new chapter for World of Warcraft. This is a new chapter for the other games both unannounced and, you know, that we know that are coming with the expansion for Diablo 4. You know, like all of these things, I think we're going to be working on on this, you know, uh, pathway forward, which, yeah, um, you know, if, you're, if you've been burned by them, I don't blame you for like not, you know, wanting to sit back and, and wait. Um, but also, like, if you're dying to play a game, don't, you know, like at, at the end of the day, like you're one, you know, especially if you don't write them a letter or send them any other form of, of communication, they're not going to visually see your uh, individual, you know, uh, boycott in this case. You got to you got to team up with a lot of people to, to kind of make that happen. But um, all right. I do want to talk about closure, though, because one of the things that you kind of alluded to in our conversation offline was how do you how does wow get to a point where like you people feel like I have achieved and I can step away from this game satisfied. I felt like Endwalker to kind of, cause you compared it to me, like Endwalker was this monumental moment where it became not just okay, but it became like a satisfaction. Like I have achieved, I have accomplished, I have, you know, concluded this story. I don't feel like, and, and that for me was very cathartic and very peaceful when we look at it in terms of wow and what they've announced, what is, what does closure in world of Warcraft look like for you? Um, I think closure is kind of a word that often means the same thing to me. So like I I've experienced it with very few video games, but I've experienced it a lot in my life. Um, my grandfather had a 15 year fight with leukemia. And by the time he went at the end, we had had a lot of good memories and he got to go very much kind of on his own terms. And, um, and he was 
plenty old and lived a full life and, and he felt good about it and we got to be there and that was that was a good sense of closure it doesn't mean it was easy it doesn't mean there wasn't pain there but it was definitely something that like now i can look back and that chapter is closed and i can look back on that as a complete book start to finish and i can look on it fondly as opposed to i've had some friends that were taken at a very young age very suddenly in ways mm -hmm. that seemed very unfair yeah and it took me a lot longer to work through that because i didn't get that sense of closure um, when I graduated college, I was excited to move out of that town. I was excited to go off to my first job. And I knew it was the end of this chapter. I would always look on fondly, but it had always built towards this known conclusion. And when it got there, the conclusion was everything they said it would be, um, roughly. Uh, and, and I felt good about that. Mm -hmm. I get that from single player games. I've had it from games like Final Fantasy X and, and Zelda uh, games, which are why they're some of my fondest memories mm -hmm. i mean it's why i didn't put them down mid-game it's because like i felt like they were building towards something they did then they delivered and like that was a that was a complete transaction uh like emotionally speaking um final fantasy offered that with endwalker especially to its longtime players who had truly let the game run its course as far as a length of time not just emotional energy and so when i watched you kind of take that exit there was a real beauty to that. And I didn't mm -hmm. feel done with the game. And so I didn't take that off ramp. Right. But sometimes like, like I've quit wow multiple times, but I've never quit it fondly. Um, I've quit it out of bitterness. I've quit mm -hmm. it out of apathy. I've quit it out of anger. Um, you know, and I've, I've taken those breaks, but I always come back because I've never got that sense of closure. So what I told you with the world soul saga is like, if nothing else, and this doesn't make any financial sense, and Final Fantasy's run into the same issue, possibly. I don't yeah. know. You never know the numbers. But like there is an element of MMO where you should never give your players closure. You should just let that resentment build until you've extracted every last dollar. <laughs> until you farm them for every last but, year. Like I I really like the idea that the World Soul Saga is something that if I give it an honest shot and I invest my time and my energy in it, that I should look at WoW and I should make my kind of bucket list. What are the things I always wish I got from WoW? What are the things I always wish I experienced from WoW? And I have seven years. It's mm -hmm. plenty of time. So you may have a lot going on in your life right now or next year or whatever, but you have seven years to kind of, in my mind, knock out that bucket list. And then I feel like maybe I could actually step away and really be happy. And then that's, and something about that says that then if I stay, it's I stay because I want to, as opposed to always staying because it's unresolved. Like I'm always staying because I always feel like I like WoW and I can't put my, my finger on why I'll quit next time um, because it's probably some drama that hasn't happened yet. But I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited about having the same feeling you got from Endwalker with WoW because that's how long I've been around with WoW. I've been around with WoW yeah. since the month after launch. And like I came into um, Final Fantasy the month after 2.0 launched, but that's not the same as 1.0 players. And so, you know, Endwalker gave me a lot of joy, um, but not in the same way. And because of the way I came into Final Fantasy, it encouraged me to be a story skipper. And, and people can be mad about that. Yeah. And so like at this point, <laughs> I've gone back, I've done all the MSQ in 14, not because people said i should but because i wanted it when i finished endwalker i wanted to know what i was missing 
Um, and so I still stand by, if you want to be a story skipper, be a story skipper. So I know there's been some, like, there's been a handful of times where I've seen people say, well, he went back and fixed it. So, you, you know, he's saying you should too. And that is not what I said. If you want to be a story skipper, be a story skipper. Um, but it does make me wonder if, if I knew what I knew now, would I have been a story skipper then? No, I don't think I would have based on the fact that now that I do know what I know now, I did go back and do the story. So, um, I think with this world soul saga, I have seven years to read like 40 books, which wow. thank God it's seven years because like, that's how much lore there is in world of Warcraft. Well, out of world of Warcraft. Mm -hmm. Um, so if I want to go get to know the lore myself, I have seven years. And so like, I think that's my plan is to really give it a shot. Um, and that way, when I get to the end, it's like I gave everything from my end. And if they didn't live up to it, that's on them. But I've got right. like my complete sense of that was a finished thing. Mm -hmm. And when we finished the last quest of, you know, the last Titan, probably the launch quest, because I, I never really think that patch content holds up to launch content in MMOs. Um, it's good, but it's not the same. Uh, then that tells me like, OK, well, what do I want to do from here? Because they're going to pave the way for what Chris Metzen said is the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because uh, this will have been the end of 20 years of World of Warcraft, and then it'll be time for the next 20 years. Right. And and Square Enix has talked about that with Final Fantasy 11. Like, we want it, you know, we'd love to run it for the next 100 years. And what does that look like? And how does that play? But we've also seen them, you know, take resources. And that's where, like, the dream, the dream would be hey, Echoes of Vanna Deal. Oh, by the way, we've also used this time as we remolded, uh, you know, Final Fantasy 11 into the Final Fantasy 14 engine, here you go. Like, this is the next, you know, here's the way forward for this game that uh, <laughs> that exists. But, oh man, I can, I, I dare to dream. I dream a dream, you know, uh, in this case. Now, Zoila writes, uh, World So Saga is just WoW trying to copy the MCU by announcing an entire phase at once, which tells me the story ain't getting better anytime soon. And what I find here is interesting is that what we're seeing also with the MCU, we talked about this at the start of the show, is that you have uh, a much harder time pivoting. So they've announced the three. Like, we don't know the content of the stories, but it does allude to these things that if all of a sudden in, you know, the second expansion, it's like, oh, man, we found this really interesting thread. We've already been moving on this bigger, uh, bigger, you know, uh, narrative. And so we need to go ahead and get that finished because we've already made that public promise as opposed to saying like, well, we haven't told anybody anything. We can go ahead and quietly make a change where like we know there's another expansion after Dawn Trail. We just don't know what it is. And we don't know, you know, like what, what, how many they're going to do for the current new saga that they're kind of uh, teasing. So uh, I, it does, I think, give Final Fantasy a much bigger ability to, to pivot. And I think we saw that exactly happen from Shadowbringers to Endwalker, because originally Yoshi P was like, well, maybe there would have been another expansion and then we would have concluded it in, you know, 7.0, where now in 7.0, it's a brand new story. What do you think? I think that rather than look at the MCU, I would say, you know, on this channel, let's look at Final Fantasy 14. Final Fantasy 14 likely knew that they were going to wrap things up with Endwalker prior to Shadowbringers even launching, at least the inkling in the gears of their head, because that's just kind of how far out I think at least the very core team starts to have a plan. They let an, a brilliant expansion come out, a truly brilliant expansion come out, and then they announced that Endwalker would come out and be the finale. Now, because it was the finale, in order to keep you from thinking that the game was ending, 
they at the same time announced a 10-year roadmap, which went over what will be multiple new expansions, confirmed things that are like, what's going to happen with the level cap? What's going to happen with graphical remasters? Where are we dumping our time and energy? Okay, so we came off of a high note. And then we delivered the news that there's a finale. And then we delivered the news of what is going to prove to you that you shouldn't just plan on unsubscribing because the party's over. And if you hurry now, you can beat everybody else out to the parking lot and beat the traffic. So that's how Final Fantasy did it. World of Warcraft just launched Dragonflight, which has been unbelievably well received. They now have brought back one of the original core team members that helped narratively form the universe and said that they want to make narrative a big focus, but so that people don't think that's just a singular expansion and that they should rush out to the parking lot and beat the traffic. They then with that pair, what is a multi-year content release and they reveal very brief synopsis on what the goals and objectives for that are they announce some major technical things like war bands they announce some major narrative elements and just some basic threads that prove to us that not only is this the finale but that this finale is setting us up for long-term health of the game and this is not them just coming in to collect one last cash grab and shut the lights out before you can get to the door it's the same thing mm -hmm. i i it's the same thing. Like it's literally, um, it's just for a different community. And so like, if you don't trust it, that is back to Brian's example of the bank of trust because you don't trust Blizzard because mm -hmm. what Final Fantasy did was say, we're going to end the game and then you should stay subscribed. And we were all like, yay. And World of Warcraft said, we're going to end the game and you should stay subscribed. And people said, freaking cash grabbers. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, they had Chris Metzen announce the news. This is literally having Yoshi P or Ishikawa come out and announce the news. You know, this is this is having Soken take a panel. Like, this is... They could have had Ian do it. They could have had Phil Spencer do it. Mm -hmm. um, but they had Chris Metzen do it. They had somebody who was able to deposit into the bank faster because it is a member in good standing. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I, I think... That's that's my read of the situation. And so if you trust Final Fantasy to deliver on Dawn Trail after letting the second half of Endwalker fall flat for many people, and you trust them anyway, and me saying that makes me blasphemous and you should you should light light me on fire, then <laughs> why do we not assume that the same fans, but of a different franchise, are experiencing the news in the same way for their game? Because I think that's what's happening. I think for long-term, long-time fans of WoW who have struggled, this was all very, very good news. Yeah, and I have overwhelmingly seen people thrilled um, with what's announced. And it does not mean you can't go find people on the forums who think it's a cash grab and, and can point to times that long-term plans haven't panned out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but... I think that announcing multiple expansions in advance was the right call because it's what says Chris Metzen isn't going to come back and do one standalone expansion that's good on its own but doesn't tie into anything else and then he's going to leave and then we're going to be even worse off than we were before. Like, no, no. We're here as part of a bigger move. Um, and when we say we're going to invest in the future, it's because we're looking out a lot further than two years. We're looking a lot further out than, you know, one expansion that's so, how Taliesin put it, it's so pre-orderable. Uh, it's not, it's, it's, it's a little bigger than that. So I, I, that's my read. It's just words. That's all there can be at this point. 
you do not owe them anything. I have not pre-ordered the the War Within. Haven't done it. Um, I'm going to look at launch dates and decide if I can really put in the time. Um, but my intention is leaning at. I think I'm going to play. When uh, when would the launch of the uh, the War Within drop? Next year. Next year. When next year? Because also Dawn Trail's dropping next year. That's well, actually this was so, Final Fantasy and, and WoW used to be on odd years. So it was like WoW's expansion and the Final Fantasy expansion would go. Uh, and now, like you're saying that they're going to fall be, within the same year. Yeah, but I think WoW's also moving to a year and a half model. So I think this one may line up, but then the next one won't. The next one will, will be 14 to the punch. Um, so like unless 14 changes, changes its cadence. Mm-hmm. But I, I think they're going to move to an 18-month cycle. What I think they're going to do is their last six months of an expansion has been just this content drought followed by a very light pre-patch mm-hmm. um, relative to what like a 14.5 and 0.55 is. Um, and I think they're just going to, I think they're just going to trim that. Okay. Based on what Ian said, he said they're getting the same number of zones, same number of dungeons, same number of raids is what it sounds like. So you would have to assume if they're going to take six months out, they're just going to trim the fat in that section that's not there. Um, they're doing that by drastically expanding the size of their team. They're doing it with money is what they're doing. Yeah, and like that's one of the things is, that Blizzard is. has, that it's, Yoshi P has constantly said, like he wished he had Blizzard's yep. budget. Yep. So People have asked, like, well, how, how come you don't do this? How come how you don't does, do that? And he's like, if I had the money. Yeah. Well, and how do you think, like, doesn't that then incentivize Square Enix to sell to like something like Sony uh, to get more of a bank in their in their back pocket because we have to be real, especially in terms of Square Enix, and they don't have the funds that now that Activision Blizzard did have, and more so now that they have a multi-trillion dollar company that is essentially their bank. I don't know enough about the state of Destiny and ESO to know how to compare how Sony and Xbox fund the game, um, right? Because that's the question: is how blank is that check? Yeah, and is it one blank check, and then once you write it, that's all you get? Right, or you is get it one. a book of blank checks, and you can just every time you need more money, you just write the amount, and and off it goes. And so, like, I don't really know enough about how Xbox has managed Cinemax and Sony has managed Bungie, because I think that would kind of be well, have you seen all the bungee news? in the fog of the of the crystal vault now okay because like uh rourke is like isn't sony doing bad now um so a bungee they I, had I'm to asking. they had to lay off over 100 uh people uh plus and now rumors again you know this is the internet console war <laughs> era for you know whatever so it's like if it's not entertaining i just pass it on um speculate that sony's looking to do uh kind of and get on you know they already have people on the board but ultimately uh doing kind of a full takeover of uh bungie which was originally as a part of the the contract was said that bungie is going to be fully independent you know and just a subsidiary of of sony but bungie hasn't been making their numbers and i think that's essentially kind of triggering that now whatever ends up happening they own square enix so that never misses their numbers well, that's all again how it manages it. I'm more or less talking about like the the money because Square Enix, you know, has been banking the the bank of Square Enix is Final Fantasy 14. Like that is, you know, where the majority, if not the vast majority, of like their 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 revenue is coming from. And while the other games have been done well, they've also had a lot of different misses. So that you know, when you when you compare them, 
when they announced it, a lot of people have posted these articles. I don't know if you've seen them like Square Enix has lost two billion dollars of value since Final Fantasy 16 release. It wasn't actually related to 16. It 16 sold well. It was related to that. They announced that Dawn Trail was in 2024 right. and people were speculating right. that it was going to the expansion was going to come out this year. Right. And obviously, whenever when, it, when when I read that, I was like, well, they're, they're clearly not following work to game because we, we've been we've been right. setting the expectation. The expansions in 2024, y'all. The market, the market goes down by five percent the same day that I ate it. Freebirds, but the Freebirds burrito has destroyed my retirement. Yeah, it's just killing uh, your retirement. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when that it happened. Essentially, like, that's right. when it happened. I looked at the stock market the same time I ate the burrito. That I mean, that has to be it. Don't eat it, Freebirds. It's delicious. It'll Dude, destroy your retirement. I can't wait. Like so, uh, yeah. Let's. Uh, I, I I I really like. It's I've been getting into the smelling of food. I don't know if this is this gonna be a weird story. So uh, like I like I've updated everybody. I'm down 50 pounds. Um, but there's things that I just cannot eat. One of the things is kale. Kale and spinach, it makes me very sick, but I love it. I love both. And so it's you know, it's it's trade-off, right? I don't have a smell. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not going around smelling uh, smelling kale. But uh, my kids, they'll have like their, you know, they'll have a piece of candy or like, you know, they, they've made popcorn or like they've had pizza, you know, like, and I'll go, oh, let me just get a whiff of that. Like, I just, just want to smell it because it smells so good. Uh, and so I've been on that, um, you know, I, I'm the weird food smelling guy in the house now. Like, oh, man, that looks good. Mind if I smell that? I don't do it in restaurants. So That's what at they're going to say at your eulogy. Yeah. He smelled a lot dad. of food. He always smelled my food. <laughs> and that's going to be whenever he's already crying and they have that awkward laughter. And they're like, oh, he did always smell food. He did always smell food. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I realized he did that. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> Patrick says, and we, uh, if you guys got uh, any questions or whatever, we can, uh, we can take those before we wrap up. I know we got plenty of things that we got to get knocked out done today. But Patrick writes, uh, thank you to Brian. So Chris are back. Should I play through Burnout? And try to find my Final Fantasy fourteen hype, or go to the new shiny with WoW. You have a long time till Dawn Trail. I would go to the new shiny. The gap between point five and point five five is the largest point five to point five five gap in Final Fantasy fourteen's history. Um, burnout is when you play beyond when you want to, and you feel forced to play. Yeah. Do not force yourself to play in 14. There is nothing there forcing you. That would be entirely self-inflicted burnout. Uh, and then come back with point like pot five, eight. Right. Um, and, and hone in. So come back after like JP fan fest. So go play. It doesn't have to be. Wow. Go play something new and shiny until January. Yeah. You got it. You might actually benefit play, if you play something, play something for, for a month or two. Yeah. Go play like Starfield, Super Mario wonder, Anything. cyberpunk, like if, especially Anything. for one in an RPG, like there's so many games, Baldur's Gate three, like if, if, if the comment is burnout, if this yeah. word is here, if the burnout word's not there, I hope you're enjoying 14. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it going. I, I, I definitely do not recommend playing through burnout because, and the thing is, is that hype actually, I think hides burnout, meaning like you can be so hyped for something, but at the same time also burned out on it that that carries you through. And then as soon as that hype goes away, which it will always do, like you need, there's a guarantee the game that you're excited about after you've played it, maybe you've beaten it. You're not as excited about that's just natural, you know, 
then all of a sudden that burnout like really exposes itself. And I've seen it catch people off guard because it caught me off guard when I was excited for, you know, uh, heaven's word when the first expansion, here we go, this is so amazing. You know, and, and at the same time, I was like, I'm also going to lose all this weight before I play, I play heaven's word. And I went back on that every expansion. So Don trail is the time I'm going to, I'm going to be under 210 and I'm going to play Don trail, but the, um, the, uh, the still like I played through heaven's word. And then all of a sudden I was like, I loved it, but then I was like, I can't log in. And I took five months off. Like I was, I didn't come back. Uh, and thankfully their, their first big update actually was much longer because the team was so tired that they had, they needed to rest. It took them a lot longer to get that, uh, get that done. So by the time I returned, I was like, Oh, the game's actually in a really good state. All right. Oh, and now we, here we go. Now we're having some fun again and I'm, I'm glad to be back. So that was a lot of fun. That was something that I experienced. Um, so just kind of as a heads up now, our last comment before we got to get out of here, uh, non-fungible taco who I, again, I just love their name, <laughs> uh, says on the 14 budget. I wonder if it eventually that they're going to stop taking money away from the game to fund other ones. I will never play any of those other games. Do you think that's ever a possibility that they're going to just keep 14's budget within the 14 team? Uh, you gotta, you gotta play a game that you gotta play a game from a company that only has one game. Um, if you want that to be the case, otherwise yeah. it's just a big share. Lot, you know, um, it just, it's, it's not wildly different than if your boss doesn't like your spouse and they're like, well, I just, I like giving Brian raises, but I just, he keeps spinning on those kids and that wife. And it's like, yeah, right. Like it just, it's all in the same family. Um, especially as Yoshi P starts to like, as we'd see like 11 devs get pulled off to work on other projects, like. It could even be the same dev salaries. Like yeah. if they move people around, <laughs> um, you know what I would what I would counter then is if Final Fantasy fourteen money is being used as seed money, I hope those other properties do well enough that they do not have to continue withdrawing from fourteen in the future. Yeah, right? if fourteen loaned a million dollars to the Octopath Traveler team, I would hope that Octopath Traveler two was so successful that they were able to self fund whatever they need for Octopath Traveler three or project triangle square two or yeah. whatever other silly name they want to come up with. Um, you know, their naming is terrible, great games, terrible, terrible names. names. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, whenever they come out with projects, cherry flavored pineapple, hopefully that's self funded out of the first games that that studio made. Mm -hmm. um, I think that would be a, better way to look at that than i hope final fantasy is never going to continually seed other studios within the same family yeah i i would vote for that i want all the final fantasy and all of square enix's properties to be profitable and then that encourages them to take uh and make new games new risks new ips and and continue to also remaster remaster they have such a, a catalog that i think as a longtime square enix fan that i just want to i want to see them succeed uh, and I think that we, you know, and again, that's an economy of ideas, what's working and and what isn't working. And overall, you know, 14 being as, you know, it, it proved out Yoshi P's point, like we got to save Final Fantasy 14. And since then, we've seen Final Fantasy 15 and Final Fantasy 16. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they decide to do uh, next, especially with Dontrell. Now, um, as we wrap up, we yeah, had kind of one of the things, like one of the interesting things that we'll be able to watch uh, for this uh, coming in the coming months is the Final Fantasy 14 Xbox release. So guys, be paying attention to that, especially if you're an Xbox that's player. So I think that's going to bring in a lot of new people who then get to experience the the massive saga, you know, of Hydaelyn versus Sodiark. 
So that's going to be fun to see lots of, so if you, uh, if you're, if you're somebody who likes to watch streamers and see people's expression, we're going to have a whole new batch of people who are finally stepping into the game uh, with Xbox. So it's going to be fun uh, to see. So much crying. (laughs) So Um, many tears. All of the tears. Yeah. On that note, Uh, guys, this is the show. Chris, you got anything uh, you want to promote plug or, you know, say before we wrap up? No, no. Um, my new job is settled down. I, I have um, annual performance reviews. And so I hadn't been there in more than four months. And it was time for my annual performance review, just because that's when they do them. Mm-hmm. And that went well. Um, and what's exciting is they grant your your time off and stuff adjusts on January mm-hmm. um, and prorates for how long you've been there. So hopefully I get more time. I get more time off soon. Um, and they're starting to be really kind of flexible with like when I leave and when I come in, like just as much as possible, um, it's just starting to feel like it's really manageable. So I'm just excited to be back to making videos and working on bigger stuff. Great. That's the update on me. My first marathon's coming up. Yeah. And uh, for me, oh yeah, that's next week, right? That's awesome. Uh, For me, I I launched uh, my first comedy podcast. And so episode one will either roll out today or tomorrow on Ginger Prime Comedy. And uh, I'm uh, sitting down with different uh, comedians. So it's been a lot of fun. The first episode was great. Uh, I'm looking forward to when people get to consume that. So if you guys are looking for another podcast uh, to listen to, uh, check out Ginger Prime Comedy. And I hope that you guys enjoy. We'll plug that wherever, you know, all our social medias and stuff when that goes live. And I've already kind of posted a couple of the shorts uh, from uh, from the podcast as well. And I've got a lot of comics that are uh, lined up. So we're going to be rolling that out as well. And then I do have a, uh, a showcase. Actually, I'm on a, a comedy competition in Garland on the 15th of December. And it's a free show. So if you're in the Garland area, be sure to follow me on you know X or whatever the hell I, I've posted that information or on Instagram. Uh, you can come out to the show. And then on uh, December 23rd, I have another uh, comedy show at Hyenas in Fort Worth. So uh, it's been going really, really uh, great and a lot of fun. So for those of you who've watched the clips and interacted with the content, thank you guys so much for that support. Um, well, hopefully people are asking, are you going to film anymore? And it's like, well, we got to work on, I got to work on the budget <laughs> to, to afford it because um, it isn't, uh, you know, it is not a cheap endeavor to, to, to have a film, you know, film, film guy out there for shows and things like that. But that's going to wrap us up, guys. Thanks so much for being here. Hopefully you enjoyed and hopefully we will see you in the next episode. Until then, take care.